Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. I am John Ledger from PewterReport.com, and I am the solo host today. Well, myself and all of you on this beautiful Victory Monday. We are talking Bucks football. I'm answering all your questions. I'm talking about the development of Kyle Trask and everything I saw from him and from others at Rookie Minicamp this past weekend. I'm uh, talking about uh, Jalen Darden and how he looked, Robert Hainsey and how he's looked, and, and any of the other players that you all want to talk about and discuss. Today we're doing it on the podcast. Scott is sick. Mark has a doctor's appointment. I don't know where Matt and Taylor are, MIA, missing in action right now. So, yeah, it's your boy today on a Monday. And the rest of the week, we've got some awesome shows lined up for you. We're very, very excited about those as well. Might have guests every day this week. We'll see. Uh, waiting for confirmation for Bruce Arians as to when he's going to be on the podcast. Uh, we'll have a Cowboys person on to talk week one uh, this week. That'll be very exciting. And then Mike Clay of ESPN is coming on Thursday's show. Um, so, man, it's going to be a good week of show. I'm excited to hear Mike Clay talk about win probabilities and where he sees the Buck strength of schedule at. Um, really, because I know he sees them right now as one of the better uh, strength, the best strength of schedule in, in the NFL. So there's a lot to unpack. We're going to do some of that on this show um, and throughout the rest of the week as well. And of course, as always, it is brought to you by our good friends over at Celsius. Celsius powers active lives every day with essential functional energy. I'm doing the peach vibe. The limited edition sparkling white peach. I love it. It's one of my favorites. Uh, I know there's some people in the chat who have, I've probably got the most messages about peach vibe, I think, since we started, but definitely some people in the chat who are big fans of uh, the peach vibe. And uh, I am as well. A healthy energy man accelerates metabolism, burns body fat, it's incredible stuff. I really enjoyed Brent Allen's kind of a pewter, pewter cast fame, uh, his breakdown of the, the his first uh, sip of Celsius. And I'm glad that he really enjoyed it. If you didn't see it on Twitter, it was pretty funny. Head over to Brent's Twitter account and you can see him break down his uh, tasting, uh, his first couple uh, Celsius, uh, but he enjoyed them as most people do. So if you're looking for a healthy energy drink, man, that has lots of great stuff for you and doesn't crash, go to Celsius.com, check out, uh, or you can go to the banner ads at pewterreport.com, click there. Uh, purchase uh, sell some yourself some Celsius. It's really good stuff. Don't think you're going to regret it. The fact that they're able to keep the flavor that they are and the taste that they are while not giving you any of the unhealthy stuff is pretty exciting. So definitely check out Celsius.com. All right. I know y'all want to, I know y'all want to talk about them. I know y'all have been waiting to talk about Kyle Trask. I saw your tweets. I saw them when Taylor and Matt were there. I saw the bad throw, the interception by Trask, one other, two other bad throws. Some of you, I saw you saying, what a waste of a pick. This guy stinks. He's terrible. And I was just so proud because you're becoming you're becoming high expectation fan base. That's who you are. If guys don't ball out right away, we're, we're out. We're done. <laughs> that's, that's what they do in Pittsburgh. And so uh, you love it. No, you all cracked me up for real when I was seeing some people on Twitter. Obviously, most of you are, are recognizing that we need 
a little bit more of a sample size of Caltrask to see that. We got a little bit more on Saturday. Um, Caltrask uh, was out there. Obviously, he's taken all the reps at rookie minicamp because there's so few guys this year. I think 25 guys out there this past weekend for the Bucks. So not a lot of reps to go off of uh, for most of these guys uh, in, a, in a normal year. But this year, everybody's getting more opportunities. That can be good. That can be bad. Um, I think he was pretty good on Saturday, to be honest. Um, definitely impressed me. You know, obviously, like I came into this, my expectations for Kyle Trask are more backup or number two quarterback oriented, not future starter. The Bucks' expectations, since given where they draft him, they'd love him to become a future starting option, at least for them. You know, we'll see if he ends up being the better one, if they have multiple options at some point. Um, but that's what they want to see him become. Doesn't have to happen by a second rookie minicamp practice. But, um, one of the things that's encouraging to me is you've heard a lot of people talk about arm strength with Caltrass. So I'm going to talk about arm strength a little bit, and then I'm going to jump in and answer any questions you have. Then we'll talk about some of these other guys. There's things I want to say about Jalen Darden and Robert Hainsey as well, and some of my observations on them that I'm guessing you probably haven't seen anywhere else because I'm kind of a nerd with this stuff, and I like really hone in on these guys during practice a little bit. And so um, I'll talk about Caltrask here really quickly in arm strength. I think arm strength is like the most misunderstood aspect of quarterback play when people are evaluating it it's not just velocity by the way i'm trying to am i looking at that camera because it's just me today so am i looking at my camera or am I, you know i'm usually looking at my screen to kind of look at the other person i'm talking to now i have to make decisions this is difficult um i'll look up here for now um i think with arm strength one of the biggest things is velocity and distance are not the same things you've probably heard me say that before most quarterbacks in the NFL can throw for distance. That's not a, a, a very uncommon trait. Um, yes, some can probably throw further than others. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. But most can throw for distance about as well as you need to throw for distance to be able to complete a nine route or a throw over the top of coverage. That typically isn't a huge concern with quarterbacks, the ability to throw for distance. Now, you've seen some guys after they've been injured where they've not been able to throw the ball as far. That's definitely true for some players, but most guys, when they're in the prime and they haven't had a significant injury, they can throw far down the field, far enough down the field where you can complete your average, you know, nine yard round or something like that for a vertical ball. Now, velocity is totally different, and velocity can also be broken up into different things. Velocity between the numbers, if you're scouting a college guy or between the hashes in college, I think it's more common. You know, not everybody has it, it's true. But I still think if you you drop straight back and you can throw with very little uh, you know rotation of your lower half to the middle of the number to the middle of the field, I think you can most quarterbacks can throw there and they can throw with pretty decent velocity in college. Not all of them, you know, some are definitely better than the others. But can you throw with good enough velocity between the hashes in college? Most quarterbacks would check that box too. It's not necessarily some some could check it more emphatically than others for sure, and that will matter in the NFL when you project just tighter windows. I think Trask can throw fine in those two areas. He can throw the ball down the field. He actually throws it very well. Good touch, good accuracy, good timing. That was one of his strengths in college. Um, and I think he can throw with velocity to the middle of the field. We saw that on Saturday. He had a dig route to Amara Darbo, and he threw it right in there, zipped it between Stewart and Britt. I'm not saying they're the rangiest guys, but he zipped it between them. And then J Javon Hagen's closing on the ball, and he got it into Darbo, sliding catch, good gain, nice throw, good anticipation, good zip on it. I thought it was one of his better plays uh, of the weekend. Now, the third aspect of velocity where it changes is throwing outside of the numbers. So in college and the NFL, obviously, that's different where the placement uh, of this kind of stuff is. But – 
the ability to throw outside of those areas. So you're taking the snap, you're dropping back, then you're resetting your hips to the right or to the left, right? To throw a ball. You're resetting your feet. You're resetting things a little bit. Now that's a very slight motion, especially as you get used to playing quarterback. But that is a different type of velocity. That is most of the time where you see quarterbacks with a lack of arm strength exposed in those areas. You won't necessarily see it. What happens is everybody, as soon as somebody throws the ball far down the field, they're like, oh, I thought he had arm strength questions. Well, that's not that simple. Not, the arm strength questions don't manifest themselves in those areas. It manifests themselves when the ball is going outside the numbers, outside the hash type of stuff. So um, that's where the concern with Caltrass lies. That's where he was intercepted against Alabama. That's where he's been intercepted a few times. Play's been made on the ball. Those kinds of things. That's where he has some concerns, and you still are seeing that. I mean, that is still a part of his game. Um, you saw, you know, he threw to a wide open Jalen Darden. I think the ball got there a little slower uh, on Saturday's practice than you wanted to. Another pass to the flat, you know, where you had to reset just a little bit, was knocked down in that area of the field. So that's the danger zone for Kyle Trask right now is short to intermediate outside the numbers for the most part. That's where he really needs to make sure that he's improving. We've seen other quarterbacks improve in that way. We've seen other quarterbacks continue to struggle there. But that, to me, is where the lack of arm strength shows up for Kyle Trask. They are working on it. I saw Clyde Christensen and Tom Moore walking him through stuff, and they were, okay, you're opening up now, and this is the timing, and this is the hip snap and rotation. And you know we can bring quarterback experts on here to go into even more detail about where the front foot should be and where, it should, where the back foot should finish. But – you know, without getting into all that detail that I don't think most of you are even interested in, can he improve on it? I don't know. I do think some quarterbacks can improve those things with mechanical advancements, but I also don't think Caltrask's physical tools are ever going to be that great. So maybe it's something that he has to live with, and that's a limitation of his game, and it will mean he has to play faster up here. Uh, so uh, we'll we'll see about that. Hans is still out on the move. He said, "I'm going to be waiting forever uh, on that one." Yeah, for sure. Uh, Duke of Dice, you would like to know where Scott is. Scott is, he has a doctor's appointment too today. He's not feeling that well today. Um, so he is a, a sore throat actually, I think. So he's a little bit raspy today. So I figured I'd do all the talking for Peter Report. Ed, I have not been hitting the bench. Oh, I have been hitting the bench, but <laughs> I don't think it's uh, necessarily different today. Um, trade, trade Kyle Trask for a washing machine, Han says. Wow. Just slander for Kyle Trask. If you have any questions, drop them in the chat. Um, and I will get to as many as I possibly can. Um, John wants to know, what can you learn from rookie minicamp? This is actually a really good question because I'll be straight up honest. There's not a ton that you can learn from rookie minicamp. You can't learn everything from rookie minicamp that you'd like to learn. So one of the big and important things about evaluating rookie minicamp and even evaluating regular minicamp and OTAs, you have to focus on what you can learn. There is no point, for me personally, there's no point to watching the offensive line during the team periods. There's just not, you're not actually blocking guys. They're not actually pass rushing. You're, you're going through the motions. Sure. You're getting out of your stance. That's fine. I'm not saying nothing can be gained, but if you're watching the center, does he snap the ball accurately on time? You know, a lot of people wouldn't even think to look for that, but that when you're talking about a guy that's getting trained at center and Robert Hainsey, you want to see that. I didn't see any errant snaps from Hainsey during practice. That's an encouraging sign to me. Um, or who's the vocal leader when they go to huddle. I always look for that in the breakout sessions with the positional units, who's the vocal leader? Who's the guy that's kind of getting everybody huddled up, taking charge of the, of the group. A lot of times in these OT in these rookie mini camps and OTAs, the quarterbacks are talking to the coaches, getting the next play or going over a couple things. So does someone else take control and huddle everybody up and get everybody in the huddles? 
Robert Haynes, he did that consistently. He was that guy. Everybody get on, you know, he was telling everybody it's the vocal leader. That's good as a center, you know, guy. And it's just as a rookie in general, I think that's encouraging to see. Again, not saying anybody's going to the Hall of Fame off these things, but when you're watching rookie minicamp, you want to pick up all as many little details as you can that you otherwise, you know, once they get into pads and they're hitting, you're going to be looking for other things. So what can you learn in these settings that's important? The DBs are working out. You know, they all start to leave after their session's over. They're doing their own thing as a positional group. They all start to walk back over to the main group. Javon Hagen calls everybody back, gets a break, okay, bucks on three or whatever. You know, that he's the one that calls everybody back, gets them all in there. You know, so again, culture guys, who's keeping up the practices that you want. You want stuff like that as a part of an organization. Hagen's doing that. You know, Bruce Arians raves about him after practice, says he's dropped 10 to 12 pounds. All right, stock up for Hagen. You know, it might be meaningless if somebody else comes in. If Curtis Riley comes in and gets three picks in the first preseason game, it probably ain't going to matter. But um, that's what you're looking. You're just looking to see what all of those. What are the things that you can learn in those sessions? The guys run back to the group. You know, do those kind of things. You know, body temperament. For example, again, I'm not trying to blow anybody up, but they're going through. It's a walkthrough period. You everybody. You come off line of scrimmage. You run your routes. You know, Jarrell Adams, who did get signed, <laughs> he takes two steps maybe off the line of scrimmage. He's running a seam, but they're just kind of going through the motions on air, no defense. Takes two steps on the seam, and, and Kyle Trask throws the seam. He's throwing it. Uh, normally, they don't always throw it, so maybe Adams isn't expecting that. But And he takes two steps off the line, and he has to kind of hurry and catch up to the ball and kind of tip it to himself. And But you're just like always looking for are they engaged the whole time? You know, Are they finishing every single rep? every single play with that energy. Um, I think those things are important. So I look for those kind of things. Uh, vocal leaders, who's calling signals. Um, you also, you look for who's lining up where. You know, if Hainsey had played five different positions, that's probably a story. And that's something you all want to know if he was, you know, lining up every a different spot every single snap. Um, they, say they get into camp, you know, you're going to want to know, you know, they get into OTAs and, and the whole offensive lines there. Say Josh Wells is the second team left tackle and he's taking he's switching over to the right tackle side and he's taking snaps there you're going to want to know that kind of stuff you know he's playing multiple positions um so those are some of the things you look for you look for that kind of information rather than you know these massive kind of takeaways like oh this guy's an unbelievable vertical threat you know you're not going to know that you're not going to know that about Jalen Darden by watching him against Antonio Hamilton and Chris Wilcox probably so you know you could certainly notice some good things about what he does you know getting off the line of scrimmage I thought was a good thing we'll talk about in a second um, but just you got to be able to temper the expectations for what you're going to learn um, in these kind of situations um, uh, somebody's wants to know about could he replace Vaughn as, oh Tom Box fan I see your original question I'm sorry what do you think of the new guys we signed as tryout players. All have NFL experience. What about Pope as a running back? Um, and then mentioned, could he replace uh, Kishon Vaughn um, later on in, in the comments? Man, I think it'd be a long shot to say Tremaine Pope could replace Kishon Vaughn. I don't know that I see that um, in his cards, uh, in the cards for him. I think he's very much a long shot. I think what he is is he's a guy that has some pass catching experience, some pass protecting experience. He's not necessarily a rookie. He's run the ball a little bit. He's played for a bunch of different systems. Um, I don't like to use the word camp body because I think that means that I don't feel like the guy has a shot to make a team. And I'd, I'd like to believe everybody's, you know, in good in good programs, I think everybody's given that fair shot and that fair opportunity. So you'd like to think the Bucs are that way. I know Pittsburgh for years definitely was that way. Um, guy balled out. I remember Roosevelt Knicks came in and, I mean, nobody even considered him. He was a deep, he was an undersized defensive tackle from Kent State that they were moving to fullback and they already had a fullback at the time. And so it just nobody even considered him and he just went 
balls the wall every time, special teams, everything he did. Um, and he made the team over and, and a lot of people didn't expect that. Well, we might've been looking at the wrong things at that point in time. So um, I think that that's the way the Bucks consider things, but it would be surprising to me if Troy Main Pope beat out Keshawn Vaughn and, 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 you know, he, I think mainly is when you're, when you're the Bucks right now, you don't necessarily want to give Fournette, Bernard or Rojo, your top three running backs, many carries in the preseason and probably many contact carries even in, in training camp practices and things like that. So I think you just are trying to be smart. Normally teams maybe have two guys like that. Not a lot of teams have three guys like that. So my guess is, and, I, and ProSize is either unhealthy now. I don't know if he's not healthy yet or I'm not sure what his situation is. I know he's been injured a lot in his career. But you'd probably see Pope and Vaughn handle the majority of the preseason snaps at running back. So valuable opportunity for him. Certainly if he balls out and Vaughn keeps fumbling, dropping the ball, I'm not saying it's off the table, but I think Vaughn would have to really fall on his face, I think, to lose that opportunity. And I think Vaughn will be better. I think he's, I think he'll be better. We'll see. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, some good questions about the, the, the class in general, though, the guys that they signed. Um, you know, honestly, I thought Antonio Hamilton had the, probably the roughest practice of the corners on Saturday, but the thing about Antonio Hamilton really has nothing to do with his defense. You know, he's on this team as a tryout option because he's been a genuinely really good special teams player during his career. Um, you know, I don't necessarily watch a ton of special teams personally myself um, in terms of scouting these guys. So I rely some on reputation of people I know that cover the team, cover the Chiefs. And then the pro football focus is grades as well, you know, to kind of give me an idea. If you guys just like, okay, for whatever, whatever. But he's been good for like several years here. I mean, you, you his grades for pro football focus, you know, he's been in the green the last four years. And, and three of those years, last three years, he's been a, a, a four-phase special teams type of guy in the NFL. So he's a lot of snaps and he's been very, very good on special teams. Um, and last year, I think he got three penalties. That's the only reason his – Numbers weren't higher. He ended up with three penalties last year, and he missed a couple tackles. But genuinely, he's been great at doing his job on special teams. That's why he's here. It doesn't really matter. Yes, I don't think he's very, been very good on defense. He's definitely slow. Um, but special teams, that's where he shines, and so he's going to have a chance. And he's been around, too. I mean, this is what, a sixth, this is sixth season. You know, he's played a lot. He's played every game the last couple of years. So that's where you see with Antonio Hamilton. Um, wasn't Hamilton the guy who lined up offside in the Super Bowl? Oh, that's a good question, Max. I am not sure. I'm not sure. Somebody would have to look that one up. I don't. Which play? Can you remind me which play? I'm trying to remember that one. That's interesting. Maybe it was. That would be a funny side story, actually, that I hadn't noticed. Um, uh, is the final roster still only 53, Damien wants to know. As far as I know, it is still only 53. No final decisions been made on that, and the league has not announced anything on practice squad sizes either yet. So there is definitely an element of unknown uh, so far on that one, Damien. Uh, Parker wants to know if Mr. Irrelevant stood out. I uh, heard stories. Of so, I mean, I it's going to be hard for me to say negative things about Grant Stewart or KJ Britt in terms of the way they carry themselves. Obviously, Stewart being Mr. Irrelevant in this situation. But, man, they are just impressive dudes. They are. They're, I love the way they talk. I love the way they talk about leadership and culture and the physicality of the game and the love for the game and how they just genuinely want to dominate special teams. You know, they, they barely mentioned defense, not that they want to be the best they can be on that side of the ball too, but they genuinely, you can tell they just sold teams, especially the bucks on their ability and their desire to be great on special teams. You know, Stewart was like, I want to be the best player in the league on special teams. That's like my goal. And I just thought that was cool. You know, guys 
often kind of set their sights on something they can't be. And so it's good, you know, you want guys that are realistic kind of about that. And, you know, I'm sure they're going to work their tail off at everything they do, but realistically, man, if you're, you should put every waking minute you have in the special teams, cause that's, that's how they're going to have an NFL career. Um, and they certainly both have the disposition for that. Um, they have leadership skills that you want communication skills that you want. Um, I thought KJ Britt's comments to the media about understanding that that leadership is about relationships and people first was just a really mature thing. You don't always hear that from a guy that age. Um, you know, I think that a lot of people think it's about rah, rah and how much you talk and how much, you know, and all that kind of stuff. You know, the fact that he was able to recognize that it's about relationships and, you know, having my brother's back and all that kind of stuff. thought that was really cool. And it speaks to, you know, I'm sure why Auburn recommended him so highly. Uh, to Tampa Bay and why they've consistently referred back to all oh, Auburn's coaches rave about him. Auburn's coaches love him. You know, I think that that stuff matters. So yeah, he Stewart and, uh, and um, Britt were both very impressive during the practices. Again, I think where both are going to struggle and where they need to shine, they need to shine and, and struggle defensively and in two ways, the coverage drills, that's where you want to see them kind of be better than what you hope. Once they get matched up backs on backers in coverage and then backs on backers pass protection too, um, because that'll show you the physicality side of it, uh, but also the power, how are they taking on blockers? Um, you know, how are they able to avoid them? Cause they have that blitz potential, things like that. Cause Stewart moved around a lot the other day. I mean, he, he was definitely blitzing off the edge some, you know, so you, they might, they want to see all those kind of things, you know, how you stand out in those situational play. You only learn so much about, linebackers run fits and practices mini camps otas training camp you know they, they just can't fit the run that hard in those settings so um you're not going to learn a lot about that until the game it john anderson says it was indeed antonio hamilton who lined up in the neutral zone <laughs> i did not realize that i'm gonna have to go back and find that actually and maybe tweet out that play that's pretty funny oh somebody said hardman was the guy that was penalized um, maybe they both did. I can't remember on the field goal attempt. Um, maybe it was both guys. Yeah, I, I don't remember. I didn't remember which one got the that guy. Okay, so for Hamilton, um, let's just talk about him real quick. Well, actually, let's talk about this before we talk about Hamilton because we've got legitimate cases to make the roster for two guys that were just signed as tryout players, Antonio Hamilton and Curtis Riley. You know, there's, again – veterans that are being signed as trial players, but not guys like Jarrell Adams who haven't played in the league for several years, you know, have, have very little experience. These guys legitimately play, you know, a couple two years ago, Curtis Riley started every game for the giants. He had four picks of free safety played over a thousand snaps. Um, so we've got to talk about those guys. One of the ways and one of the places that we get into a lot of this nitty gritty. And I see Josh Allen jumping in the chat. And I see some of y'all that are in the chat that are also joining us every week on locker room. Locker room is changing the way we talk sports. The only place for live audio conversations about the takes, rumors, news, and teams you care about. React to sports news as it happens. Gather all your friends and watch parties for the biggest games. Rep your favorite teams and find your community. Better Sports Talk is just a tap away. Download on the Apple App Store and join the conversation over there with Locker Room. We'll be on this week. I'll be on, um, let's see, Tuesday. Tu no, I won't be on Tuesday night. I'll be on Wednesday night this week. Sorry, Josh. Got to go. Got to go Wednesday night, I think. Uh, because my Penguins play on Tuesday night, and I can't miss that. No, no disrespect. Lightning also play on Tuesday night, I believe. Right? Great win by the Lightning the other day, man. That was unbelievable, unbelievable hockey game. It was so much fun to watch. All right, so I think the real question now is: 
the competition level at the, you know, everybody wants to know about the tryout players. I really genuinely believe Troy Main Pope and Jarrell Adams have really very little shot at making the final roster. That's why I think right now, at least anyway, we'll see about practice squad. Maybe um, now Antonio Hamilton and Curtis Riley are in a different situation. I mentioned Hamilton to great special teams player. The competition is Herb Miller, Chris Wilcox and Nate Brooks for that spot. So you don't necessarily have, you know, somebody even it's something of value was bestowed upon Vaughn when they took him in the third round. It's only one season and they want to believe what he'll be in, what he'll become down the road. So even if he isn't great, he's got that going for him. There's none of that with the rest of the cornerback room. Same with tight end, even. You know, you have your top three tight ends, but even beyond that, Tanner Hudson's been here for a while. He's played. They like him on the field clearly. They think he has potential to be a contributor. So of those tryout players, and I'll talk about Cameron Kinley. I see you, Elliot. I'll talk about Cameron Kinley in a minute here. But of those tryout players, um, I think that's one of the one of the areas where you've got a path. You need a path to that roster. And I think you have that with Hamilton. You have that with Riley too. You know, Riley, again, that competition's a little bit better for that safety spot. I think they really like Javon Hagan. Do they keep five safeties? They certainly could keep five safeties. Um, there's actually I honestly think it's going to be an upgraded room. I mean, we're only, you know, I thought Andrew Adams was good, but they've done a really nice job. I think Raven Green um, is, a, is a good, solid player. He can play linebacker a little bit for you. That's just a nice player to have on your roster, can fill a couple roles, good special teamer, physical, aggressive guy. You know, he's going to bring the energy. You could see that watching him on tape. I really, he was just every play. He's, Talking after every play, he's physical. Um, he just plays the game really, really hard. So, like having guys like that on the team, I think that's going to be big. Um, Curtis Riley, obviously, Hagen. You know, Riley, you have a genuine. I don't think I don't know if he's a great special team or he's not played as much as Hamilton's played as much special teams. We've played a lot more defense. And Hamilton, honestly, pretty pretty cheeks when he's been out there on the field defensively in his career. Not necessarily the guy you'd like to see as CB five if he's ever called upon very kind of Ryan Smith-esque in that way. You know, it's not necessarily he's gotten a chance to play some defense. Results haven't been great. That's kind of what it was for Ryan Smith. Got a chance to play defense. Results weren't great. Um, so you're hoping you just keep him in a special teams role if you can. But Curtis Riley in there, I mean, he's I'm not saying he's great or anything, but he's legitimately played defense. He's played a good bit of it. You know, 2018, 1,048 snaps for the Giants. Uh, yeah, free safety mostly, I think. He – he is really just not a very good tackler. That's the biggest question for him, and that obviously hurts when you're trying to make the team on special teams. So I still think Curtis Riley is the longer shot. I think Tony Hamilton has the best chance kind of to make the, the final roster, I think, um, out of the tryout guys. Um, but then he has to contend with the mini camp, the rookie mini camp upstart, the star himself, Cameron Kinley. Let's, let's just look up a couple Cameron Kinley facts. Okay, here for people. Yes, I understand he's still kind of a long shot to make the team, but let's be honest. Competition for CB5 is not great right now in the box. So Cameron Kinley, cornerback Navy, 6'2", 204. Uh, I, right away, the body type stood out. Man, he's definitely physical. Um, I mean, he will, he'll body guys to the sideline. Um, not going to lie, he was, he was working over what's TJ Simmons or whatever his name is, you know, the receiver that was there. At camp, uh, undrafted free agent for the box. He was really working him over. And Simmons doesn't have speed, and that's where Kinley might get exposed. We'll see. Um, but using that physicality to his advantage, and I thought he was patient in press. You love seeing that. You don't love guys kind of falling all over the place out of press. 
Um, thought Kinley did a really nice job in that regard. So uh, some good stuff there. Now, Kinley didn't have any numbers in college, really. I mean, one interception um, in his time in college. Uh, wasn't really much of a splash play guy at all. Um, you know, 12 pass def- passes defensed uh, over the past three years uh, total. So, again, he has not been necessarily that splash play guy, but, he, you know, I have not studied him either on tape. Um, and so that's going to be a guy that we're going to have to watch him and Hamilton. And then obviously Wilcox, who I didn't think stood out at all. You know, if anybody's in the chat that watched Wilcox, I didn't notice him at all during the practices. It felt like, and this isn't necessarily a criticism of Kyle Trask, just an observation, felt like almost every throw went to the right side of the field. Um, I don't know whether that means he's not quite as comfortable playing, throwing left. Um, seemed like left was kind of a last resort for him. Maybe that's how they were working things. I didn't pay like a lot of attention to the route progressions and things like that in terms of where he should go with the ball and everything. But definitely the most majority of his throws were to the right side of the field. And Wilcox was – or the, his right, and Wilcox was on the defensive right, uh, the vast majority of snaps that I saw. So uh, I think that might be why we didn't see him a whole lot. Um, so we'll see with Wilcox. He does have upside, Parker. Yeah, I mean, Wilcox definitely – you know, big, long, and he tested really well athletically. That's pretty much all he has. Um, and he hasn't missed tackles either. He didn't, yeah, I think he's missed a tackle since like 2017 or something like that. BYU was crazy. Um, so we'll see what he has to offer. Um, if, if he's not the most physical tackler necessarily, but uh, he gets guys, guy on the ground a lot. So um, we'll see for Wilcox. We're going to have to get more exposure to him. Uh, we just got OTA word, by the way. OTAs, we're going to be on the. Oh yeah, Tuesday the 18th, uh, we'll be on the field uh, for minicamp practice or for sorry OTAs, and then we'll be on the field after that uh, for OTAs as well. The next Tuesday after that, so I think it's the 25th and June 2nd or 1st or something like that. But the next two Tuesdays, a week from tomorrow and two weeks from tomorrow, so uh, we will get some time to be able to see these players out on the field at OTAs. We'll see who's there. We're not sure about that yet. Who's going to be out there um, participating and how many players will be there? This is the, still the voluntary portion. And then mandatory minicamp is June 7th through 9th. So we'll, we're going to get opportunities to see these players for sure, um, to see them out on the field, to see them compete against better competition. I'm very excited about that with a guy like Wilcox for sure. Um, so, yeah, we'll have to see. You know, the one guy who wasn't signed as a tryout player was Amar Darbo, who had been a buck before. This is his second, uh, second time kind of checking in um, with, with uh, Bucks, And he, I thought, had a pretty good day, honestly. I mean, you know take for what you will, but he had a pretty good day Saturday and I'm not sure about Friday, but yeah, I think that that's going to be um, something with Darbo. It's kind of like, I just think it was, there's no way in this wide receiver room, there's just, <laughs> just too many guys. So I think that's probably one of the bigger concerns with him. Um, not necessarily anything he did wrong, man. He's been around. I mean, third round pick just never was able to be productive in the NFL. He had a lot of fans coming out of college, coming out of Michigan, just feels like a long line of Michigan receivers that <laughs> haven't quite gotten it done in the NFL. Um, Parker wants to know, are any training camp practices going to be open to the public like they used to be? Um, I'm not sure about that, Parker. It will probably depend on where we're at COVID wise as we get closer, um, to training camp, but my guess is going to be, yes. Um, if they're able and there's a way, I think that they will, uh, they'll do it. Uh, Ren wants to know how much would it cost me for you to not live tweet? I think you want to capitalize the not there, Ren, for you to not for you not to live tweet the pens game. Um, well, I only live tweet like four or five times during the pens game. I think it's going to be like a hundred bucks a game, Ren. If you, if you want to, if you want to Venmo me a hundred bucks each time the penguins play and I'll hope they keep winning. Um, 
then I will not live tweet at all during the Pens game. So let me, you consider that offer, consider that proposal, uh, and we'll discuss it. Oh, Vortex, the question of the day. Do you know why AB hasn't officially signed yet? Oh, man. There are so many potential reasons. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's AB, his agency, that's not been the most seamless uh, community, you know, kind of this whole process um, of getting him re-signed hasn't been necessarily seamless. My guess is it's formalities. Maybe he's not able to physically be there. Maybe what they want him to do in person. I really don't know. I don't know for sure. Um, obviously, if anybody knew, they'd probably be saying at this point why. <laughs> Could be something in the language, but it seems like it's going to get done. You know, worth the hassle. I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> uh, I make music says, uh, does Trask arm worry you? I don't see a good arm. Um, answer this. Well, I will answer this. Thanks for asking. Um, no, I think that, it, like I said at the beginning of the show, uh, if you want to go back and listen to it, you can. Uh, but at the beginning of the show, I kind of said, I I don't necessarily think his arm is a concern to all areas of the field, like most quarterbacks. It's certain areas of the field where it gets tricky and mainly short to intermediate throws outside the numbers, you know, he's got to be able to reset his feet and then proper mechanics make that throw. That's the big difference. It's not necessarily that your guy's arm is strong or isn't strong, but can a guy's keep and maintain enough arm strength when the lower body mechanics have to change? Same for throwing off platform on the move, same for throwing when you have to sidestep to your left real quick and throw, you know, do you maintain the same accuracy, the same velocity in the ball? That's why Pat Mahomes is so difficult. He can backpedal and the ball doesn't come out of his hand any different. He can throw like this square, you know, and, he, and he's throwing and the ball doesn't look any different, like coming out of his hand and the accuracy, the velocity doesn't lose anything. Um, that's crazy. That doesn't happen very often. Um, Brady has kind of never been heralded for arm strength, but he really has such great velocity in the ball. He's always had such great velocity in the ball. Um, you know, I don't know why it's not talked about. Sometimes I think when a quarterback's so good, we've just take something and just kind of rip on it or complain about it and act like it's a weakness to make them seem more human. But he's always had a really, really good arm. Um, one thing he hasn't been able to, he hasn't thrown from a weird base like Mahomes and like sidearm flicks. He doesn't do that kind of stuff. But he's always been able to throw the ball a mile and a half, and man, can he zip the ball. And it's I think Bucks receivers honestly had to get used to how much velocity he puts on the ball, um, short to intermediate. I mean, he really can hum that thing in a tight window. And it was something they weren't always prepared for the ball coming out that quick. And so timing issue that you hope gets worked out this year and isn't a concern. Um, that I don't think – belief is that Caltrask, I don't think he'll ever have an arm like Tom Brady. Um, so that is – if you're – you know, people have made that comparison, even just generally making the comparison between guys that were not necessarily heralded for a long time and, and kind of were seen as pocket passers um, – well, it breaks down at the arm strength to me. I think Brady's arm is very, very good. Um, Gary wants to know about OJ Howard. Um, we wrote about this over at PeterReport.com um, a couple days ago, two days ago maybe. Bruce Arians offered an update, and it was really encouraging on OJ Howard. He said he sees him like every day. He's working out at the Bucks facility um, and, and doing his training there. So, man, I think – he is Bruce just lights up when he talks about, you know, he thinks he has all the potential in the world, um, which he does. You know, I know people get tired of talking about, it, I get that. Um, but yeah, it's just about staying healthy for him. But Bruce said he looks great and, you know, he's very close to being ready. I don't know whether he'll go in mini camp or not because I, Bruce just kind of doesn't, it doesn't sound like he really wants to push it with many guys during mini camp. Like he mentioned, Jordan Whitehead probably could go, but 
he's probably not going to have him do anything uh, during the mini camp. So we'll see what happens with OJ if they let him get back out there and how he's moving around, running around. But no doubt for training camp for he, for Jordan Howard, or for Jordan Whitehead, um, and for Alex Cap, it sounds like they'll all be ready to go for training camp. Um, so that's a really encouraging thing. Shouldn't be anybody uh, being held back by the time we get to camp, which is definitely what you want. So now you get out of mini camp healthy, and I think that'll be uh, the biggest thing. Can you get out of that? Um, spot healthy uh someone wanted me to compare and contrast the other three quarterbacks with cal trask i did that with brady already kind of gabbert way better arm than cal trask more mobility than cal trask um so the upsides there not as accurate as cal trask um not sure where gabbert's at with mental processing and decision making at this point in his career we've seen him play so little over the last few years but accuracy just has never been i mean just never been there um and we saw that even when the lines game when when he came in you know he made some plays but you there were some throws that just like totally missed um so that's the that's the way you're giving up with gabbard is that um probably never gonna have happened for him where he's consistent enough to be a starter uh accuracy wise where that part could happen for trask but you might not have the high-end plays that gabbard could make i don't know enough about griffin to be honest i just haven't seen him play hardly at all a couple of people at Bucks practice who've seen more of Griffin said that Trask and Griffin seem more similar to them in them in terms of skill set, like physical skill set. Um, I don't know if that's true because I just have not watched very much Ryan Griffin. So um, we'll see. Uh, Vortex wants to know who impressed me the most at rookie minicamp. Definitely Cameron Kinley. Kinley was very impressive to me. I'm also really impressed. And it was crazy that Coach pointed this out. Coach Arians pointed this out after practice because I very much agree with this. Um, man, I, I think the offensive linemen they have for camp, there are not a lot of bad bodies. And even Hainsey, guys, and I, have to t- I was hoping Scott would be on today's show so I could bring it up. He looks better already physically. Um, he really does. He he did not – I did not watch Hainsey out there and think, wow, this guy's got a body that needs some work. Now we'll see. But, I mean, he's had, again, this whole offseason to train and get right with the NFL in mind, you know, those standards in mind. He's probably left whatever he, training he was doing and gone to something else that prepares him for the pros over the last few months. The fact that he's been able to change some of his body already, and you could probably see some pictures from camp and see Hainsey. And, I mean, he looks good. I'm not saying he's done, but, you know, finished product or anything. But, yeah, physically. And Sedaris Hutchinson is just an absolute tank. I mean, that dude is so big. He's just built, man. Like, there's just muscle on muscle with that guy. So, I can't wait to see him. I thought, you know, again, you can't get much from their actual play in the team sessions. But in the individual sessions, yeah, all those guys look good. I thought the offensive line, they were coming out of their stance as well. Um, and, yeah, Josh is right. Bruce saying that um, that Hainsey can play all five spots on the O-line. That was very interesting because we had heard Jason Light say four spots maybe, didn't, didn't mention left tackle. Hainsey only played right tackle in college. It's not like he was the super versatile guy. Um, I think left tackle might be a stretch for him unless he's really kind of ambidextrous like that and can switch over. It's like using the dominant hand, dominant foot completely change when you switch sides like that. So it's hard. Um, But maybe he can do that too. So we'll see. I mean, that's probably going to be a build-up thing right now. They want to get him. They know he can play right tackle. I bet he can play right guard, train him at center. Then you can probably kind of figure out the left side of the line if you need him to. But great to have a player like that who's a grinder, who loves the game, who could be a swing guy at all those spots. If you can keep a guy like that for four years on such a cheap deal, even if he never starts and he comes in and he can be a good backup at all those spots, I think there's a lot of value in that. So um, I'm, I'm excited about that. 
Ben wants to know how the former Cowboys edge rusher. Man, I got to tell you, I was not very impressed. <laughs> None of the rushers stood out to me at all. But also, it's really hard to tell. You can't actually get after the quarterback um, how much you really work in pass rush moves against guys that aren't really even blocking you. And um, hard, to, hard to evaluate much up front, in my opinion. I, I don't. I don't even watch there a lot, but definitely not a lot of uh, challenges for Calvin Ashley uh, over a right tackle. He was chilling. Um, he has potential too, to be honest. He's always he's always been really talented. Just technically can't can he get right when the speed of everything kind of ramps up? But Calvin Ashley looks great on the hoof. That's what I'm saying. The offensive lineman, they have the depth guys physically look great, and that's you know I've been doing camps for how many years, and you go and you see right away, boom, boom, boom. These three linemen. Don't look like they belong at all. Physically, they just they look like they came from college, and and that's not been the case really at this Bucks minicamp. I thought the offensive lineman physically kind of looked uh, really really ready to go. Coming back with Jalen Darden here in a second, but I gotta mention, as I always do, I tell you all about Playbook Products. You can see the mug behind me uh, for Playbook Products so this way. You can see it uh, with the with the pens in it there, um, styled. You know that the the play detail on Playbook Products stuff. I'm telling you, I'll take one of these slate coasters out um, so you can see it. But it's the perfect dish addition to the man cave or woman cave, the sports cave. It doesn't matter. I mean, it could be box. It could be your other favorite team. It could be lightning. I mean, lightning, they have lightning stuff over there. It's great gifts. Father's Day's coming up. There's awesome stuff at Playbook Products. Check out their website um, and make sure you in, go ahead and purchase something over there. And I'm telling you, the gifts that you they have, I mean, we had Scotty Miller on the podcast and he can't stop raving about that poster that they made for him. The level of detail, uh, the craftsmanship on these things is, is tremendous. Um, and so, yeah, definitely would check over, head out over to Playbook Products, check out their stuff and, and get somebody uh, a great gift today or get something for yourself too. I mean, treat yourself. Honestly, Victory Monday, man. I'm telling you, live it up. Flash Gordon wants to know about Jalen Darden. Oh, man. Okay, Jalen Darden, most athletic dude on the field during uh, during rookie minicamp. Could see it right away. Quickness stood out, boom, all the time. I love that because when you come from North Texas, I don't know how things are going to look at that level. And obviously, this isn't the best competition, so we'll see. Um, but that's going to be one of the things to watch with Darden uh, is how he looks compared to the other guys NFL speed-wise. But I was definitely impressed with him. I thought that he moved really, really well, caught the ball, became a runner really quickly. Didn't see any drops on Saturday. Josh can correct me or somebody else if they were in there. Uh, if they were out there that that saw that could correct me if I'm wrong. I didn't see him with drops on Saturday. I believe Friday, Taylor and Matt said he had two drops, maybe something like that. So he struggled a little bit uh, fighting the ball those days. But yeah, I definitely am very excited to see Jalen Darden. But offense, I'm excited to see him there. I think his releases are going to be the most exciting thing. When you have guys that can get your hands on him, I mean, he cooked Antonio Hamilton off the line. But when you have corners that are a little better at the line of scrimmage and get your hands on him, are they going to be able to do that, or is he going to be able to – is it speed you know, all the way? Is his speed kind of winning consistently? Is quickness to the line of scrimmage winning consistently? So uh, Arians mentioned how compact his frame is. Yeah, he's short, but he's also thick. Um, he's he's strong. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm, very, I'm very excited to see Jalen Darden uh, at camp. And obviously Joe Tryon too, if we can get him out there. Um, Josh wants to know if my way-too-early 53 has changed at all since minicamp. I don't believe that it has, Josh. I'm trying to think. I have to go back and look, but I wouldn't change much after two days of rookie minicamp, um, and I don't think there's been any moves. So, yeah, I, I I wouldn't change a lot from that point on. Now, if we get through OTAs and, and mini mandatory minicamp, then you can ask me. I'll see if maybe at that point I see 
something I wasn't expecting, mainly in how the coaches view somebody and, and their chance of making the team because of that. Um, a couple more, and then I'll wrap things up here. Vortex wants to know, how do I think the Bucks really view Trask? And how do I view him? Do you see him as a true successor to Brady or high-end backup? I've always seen him as a high-end backup. I graded him as a high-end backup. I think that's what it'll be. Spot starter type of guy, never a desirable starter, a guy that you say, this is our franchise quarterback. I don't think he's ever going to be that guy. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's what a ceiling is probably. The Bucks probably see a higher ceiling for him um, for sure. So we're going to have to see who's right in the end. Um, think there could be some value to having a guy like that in a Super Bowl window with two more years of Brady because if he can come in and he's and he, again, Gabbard just scares me because I just don't I don't like quarterbacks who aren't accurate. And I do think Trask is mostly accurate. So um, if he can come in and be better than Gabbard in a, in a must win game or, and be less of a risk taker, you know, less of a mistake prone guy than a, than a Gabbard in a couple must win games that help you know the Bucks hold on to home field advantage or you know something like that, then maybe it's worth it in that window. But you know, I wouldn't take him in the second round, but I also don't think it is the worst pick in the world or anything like that. So, um, yeah, it's a lot. As Josh indicates, I've started reading uh, your report, <laughs> all of them, and they are extremely detailed, um, as I would expect from you. So I appreciate that, and I'll, I'll look forward to talking about those in the locker rooms, actually, and hearing you talk more about those during the locker rooms. Uh, again, another reason for people to jump in um, and join some of those. So. Um, yeah, so that's kind of how I feel about the Bucks camp. Let me see any other players to comment on. I wish I'd seen more Wilcox, but I think I got a pretty good view of everybody else in the tryout guys. Not much to see from Jarrell Adams. Not nothing to see from running backs, really. I mean, I mean, Troy Man Pope didn't drop the ball. He was targeted underneath a few times, just wide open checkdowns. Um, they didn't even do really run periods uh, much. So. Um, yeah, I think that's everybody that I kind of had notes on for for that practice. So, Hodgson, I mentioned him a little bit ago. Tom, I, I love the I love what he what I've seen, but again, it's so little for O line at this point. So, um, we'll see. Hans to finish it off says, "But John, don't you know that Bruce Arians, quarterback whisperer, loves playing Gabbert and thinks he's a great quarterback? I think Bruce just talks of his guys, and that's what a coach should do. Man, encourage your guys, be positive about your guys, be honest when they make a mistake, but be." They can make a mistake and you can still be very, very opportunistic, uh, you know, or very, sorry, optimistic about what they can be down the road. Believe in your guys. And I think that he does that as a coach. And I think it's a big reason why players love him, but he's also honest with them. I think you can be both and not a lot of people understand that you can be both. I think you can really believe in somebody and encourage them and, and um, be optimistic about their future. But at the same time, you know, recognize, oh, you did this wrong. You got to make this better. This is, has to improve if you're going to reach this point. And I think Arians does a great job of bringing both of those things. And I think it's why players just love him so much is because he's honest with you about the good and he's honest with you about the bad. And you know, he's never going to tell you, yeah, you're doing great. And then you're cut the next day. That's not how he rolls. Um, so uh, yeah, I think it, I think it definitely matters. Josh had a Celsius mixed berry, his first one. He loved it. So Josh Allen and Brent Allen, both get, trying their, uh, trying their first Celsius's. Uh, I think it's Celsius, 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 no Celsius is, yeah, definitely Celsius is, uh, this past week. So yeah, encouraging stuff from those guys. They are fans. They're on board Celsius train. You should be too. Peach vibe. Highly recommend. Check it out. Appreciate y'all jumping in here tomorrow. I think we might, I think we have Bruce Arians tomorrow. Last sex I said, and you'll see this promotions on social media, Mark cook, blame him if it's not true, but he said four 30 tomorrow, four 30 tomorrow, Bruce Arians. So 4.30, not 4, 
4.30 tomorrow, Bruce Arians on the Peter Report podcast. Should be a great show then. I think we'll get John Owning from Dallas Morning News. Got to double check with him, but he'll be on Wednesday, 4 p.m., uh, to talk the Cowboys, uh, Bucks week one matchup, and his scouting thoughts on Joe Tryon. He scouts edge defenders very extensively, and I want to get his thoughts on that. And a little bonus, he'll be able to answer any Ladarius Hamilton questions you have because he has watched Ladarius Hamilton extensively because Hamilton was an ex-cowboy. So if you have those, if you have those burning Ladarius Hamilton questions, uh ready, get them ready because John Owning will be on hopefully Wednesday uh and he'll be on to uh, answer any questions about him. Um and then Thursday, Mike Clay from ESPN coming on. That I think is going to be a 1 p.m. Eastern show. So we'll be earlier than we've ever been before for our live shows, I believe. That'll be our earliest live show ever. That's his availability, but he really wanted to come on and give your thoughts on Buck's strength to schedule, uh, how he evaluates that, how he evaluates and sees the Bucks roster, and why he picked the Bucks to repeat as Super Bowl champions. The lone ESPN expert from the roundtable this past weekend to pick the Bucks to repeat as Super Bowl champions. We will talk to Mike about all that on Thursday. So a great week coming up on the Pewter Report podcast. It's all made possible by y'all consistently jumping in here, consistently giving us your support. We appreciate y'all. As always, thank y'all for the thank yous. And we'll catch you again tomorrow with Bruce Arians on another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out.